You're listening to the Sex and Psychology Podcast, the sex ed you never got in school and won't get anywhere else. I am your host, Dr. Justin Lay Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. Most of us could probably benefit from having a little more pleasure in our lives, both in and out of the bedroom. But we're not getting that pleasure for several reasons. One is that we simply lead busy lives. By the time we check everything off of our to-do list for the day, we're often too tired for pleasure, so we delay it. Another is that focusing on our own pleasure can sometimes make us feel selfish, or perhaps even a little guilty. So it's time to change our mindset around pleasure, and to start making it a priority in our lives. My guest today likes to say that you should do something that brings you pleasure every day. So that's what we're going to be talking about. We're going to be discussing how to open the door to more pleasure, both sexual and non-sexual, how to make the most of our pleasurable experiences, how to take pleasure in the little things in life, and so much more. I am joined once again by Dr. Shamika Thorpe, an award-winning sexuality educator whose research focuses on the sexual well-being of Black women using sex-positive and pleasure-centered frameworks. Dr. Thorpe is an assistant professor of health promotion at the University of Kentucky. She has published more than 50 peer-reviewed articles, and her work has been featured everywhere in the media. In 2023, BuzzFeed listed her as one of the top 20 Black sexologists you should follow. This is going to be a fun and fascinating conversation. Stick around, and we're going to jump in right after the break. Do you have a sexual fantasy you want to explore but have never tried before? If so, you're not alone. In my own research, I found that 80% of adults have a fantasy they wish to act out, but only about 20% have ever attempted it. Why is that? We often hold our desires back because we're worried about being judged, or we don't know how to find a partner who shares our desires. So, here's a solution. Flur is a sex-positive dating app where you can be anyone, want anything, and regularly try something new. Flur has gathered a community of people ready to openly discuss their fantasies and bring them to life. If you can clearly define your goals and desires, there are partners out there for that. There is no judgment here, and women can elevate the conversation's intensity only when they desire. The app has a safe mode to prevent unwanted explicit content or offensive messages. However, that's just a backup option because the app draws users who respect personal boundaries and adhere to the principles of consent. Flirt provides a comfortable and safe space to explore your sexuality and find pleasure. Check the show notes for the link or head over to Flur.com. That's F-L-U-R-E.com. The Flur dating app is a place where you can be your authentic sexual self and tap into your fantasies and desires. In Flur, pleasure awaits. If you love the science of sex as much as I do, consider becoming a friend of the Kinsey Institute at Indiana University. The Kinsey Institute is the world's premier research organization on sex and relationships, and you can help them continue the legacy of Dr. Alfred Kinsey, whose pioneering research changed everything we think we know about sex. Visit kinseyinstitute.org to make an impact. Your donations can help support ongoing research projects on critical topics. You can also show your support by following Kinsey Institute on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thank you for supporting Sex Science. Okay, Shamika, let's talk about pleasure. So you have this quote on your website that I love, which reads, do something that brings you pleasure every day. And I think this is so important 
But at the same time, it's so easy to overlook. I mean, we often focus on just getting through the day, checking everything off the list that needs to happen. And then by the time that's done, we're often too exhausted to do anything that we really enjoy sexually or otherwise. So our genuine moments of pleasure often become few and far between, you know, because it's not a priority in our lives. Now, before we get into how do you lead a pleasure-filled life, let me step back first and ask a definitional question. So when you say pleasure, what do you mean by that? What is pleasure? When I say pleasure, I mean anything that sparks joy or happiness that makes you feel free and just light. So pleasure can mean a lot of different things. Can you give us an example of something that you do in daily life that brings you pleasure? Yeah, so I read every day now. So that brings me pleasure. Fiction books, not <laughs> so I've been reading more fiction because academia can be a little daunting sometimes. So, yep. so I read fiction books now. So reading an hour a day, that definitely brings me pleasure. When it's sunny, I go for walks outside. So getting vitamin D and being in the sun, being around my friends, that always brings me pleasure. So whether it be us trying out a new restaurant or going to a new coffee shop, And yeah, those are the things I really do that really bring me a lot of pleasure, as well as catching up with my uh, nieces and nephews. Yeah. So pleasure can mean a lot of different things. And of course, Mm -hmm. you know, some people will go toward the root of sexual pleasure. And, you know, that's one form of pleasure. But there are all kinds of non-sexual things we do in daily life, whether it's places we visit, things we enjoy doing, just general sensations that we like to experience. So why do you say it's important to do things that are pleasurable, no matter what they are, each and every day. What are some of the benefits of seeking pleasure besides just like, oh, that feels good? Yeah, I think some of the benefits are, one, it makes you become very present into what you're doing every single day. So I think oftentimes people wake up, they have routines that they do, whether it be like getting kids ready, going to work, then come home from work, then you have a routine in the afternoon, then you go to bed and wake up and do it again. At one point I paused and I thought, okay, at what point are people living, right? Um, I think, you know, during the pandemic, we all had to be still for a while. And and I think it allowed me to focus on, okay, like, what does it feel like to do things that actually bring me joy? You know, I heard someone say one time that like joy and pleasure is one of the most vulnerable emotions because you're really doing it with no sort of gratification other than for yourself, right? It's kind of selfish, but, <laughs> but joy and pleasure are important because it shows that you are worthy of good things. You're worthy of things that make you happy, that it doesn't have to be something so big. It could be something that's small. For some people, shopping brings them pleasure. Okay. Yes, I agree with that. Sometimes for (laughs) me as well. Um, But, you know, just, just taking a moment to focus on you and what sparks joy for you to make sure that in everyday life, you're not just going through the routine, but you can look back and say, hey, I did something that made me happy on these days. Yeah. You know, as you were talking about that, I was thinking about how in the pre-COVID days, you know, the last couple of years before the pandemic happened were the best years of my life. And I had the best work-life balance and I was working just the right amount, but still having the right amount of pleasure in daily life. And I was doing all the things that I loved doing, traveling and going new places, meeting new people, making new friends. And then COVID happened and it's like my whole life changed. And I got into this pattern of like just every day trying to distract myself by having a lot of work to do. And then I just sort of became governed by my calendar. And it's been really hard to 
break out of that. You know, I'm still kind of stuck in that mode of like, here's all the things I have to do every day. And to find those moments to just stop and relax and have a moment of pleasure, like it's something me, like even as a (laughs) social psychologist, like I struggle with, like the struggle is real, I think for everybody with this. Yeah, it definitely is. And I think sometimes there's still like pressure. I know people have talking about how we have to get back to normal, but really we're in a new normal. And I think we're all trying to figure out what that looks like for us. Yeah. So in order to do something pleasurable every day, you need to make pleasure a priority. But like I said, a lot of us struggle with that. We've got our jobs. We've got other things we need to do. Maybe we've got kids or pets or things that need to happen around the home, the laundry, all that kind of stuff. (laughs) And so, you know, taking time for ourselves can sometimes feel like, and I think you mentioned this a little earlier, it can feel like we're being selfish. Or sometimes we might feel guilty because it's like, well, I'm doing this thing for me, but I should be doing, or I could be doing this other thing, and I could be checking those things off of the list. So do you have any tips you can share on how we can change our mindset around pleasure so that we can prioritize it and start to enjoy it without feeling guilty? Yeah, I think what helped me a lot was reading books. So I read a lot of books by Black Girl Bliss, specifically one called Pussy Prayers. That was a good book, as well as Pleasure Activism and Rest is Resistance because people need to rest. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, it was reading books around what is rest and what could pleasure be so I can expand what my definition of pleasure was. I think also it's having people in your corner that are actually living the pleasure-filled life that you want to live. Because sometimes if we don't have those role models, it makes it harder. Um, So having people, whether that be on social media that you don't know, or or like having real people in your life that you know, (laughs) it's important to have those people. So you can have some type of example because a lot of times people don't have that example. Um, And so seeing that and knowing that it's okay and that they will support you in it, I think is is very important. Yeah, (laughs) you know. This is reminding me how, you know, in my own relationship, my my husband and I were both workers, mm-hmm. him even more so than me. And, you know, he's told me before, he remembers this like very formative moment in his childhood where his mother came into his room and said, I'm concerned you're not having enough fun, right? Because he was such a good and diligent worker. And, and you know, so I actually say those words to him sometimes because, you know, we both need to have more fun and we Mm -hmm. need to prioritize it. And sometimes in relationships, if you're partnered with somebody who likes to work just as much as you do, that can just push you both into work mode all the time. And so, you know, it can be hard to break out of that, but you need at least one person in the relationship pushing sometimes to say, you know, we need to take a break and have some fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think also you have your best like memories and photographs when you're having fun. I mean, work is is nice. And sometimes work can be fun. (laughs) But, you know, it's also nice to just have those moments as well. Yeah, my work selfies just don't really do it for me. (laughs) (laughs) So making pleasure a priority is important, but we first need to open the door to pleasure And we also need to learn how to make the most of it. And that's true for both sexual and non-sexual pleasure. Now, even if you find frequent opportunities for pleasure, we often don't fully appreciate them because we're not in the moment. We might be distracted. We're not really present. So whether it's pleasure that occurs in bed or out of bed, how can we be more present during moments of pleasure so that we can really savor and enjoy them? 
Yeah, I think sometimes what's helpful if we're talking about partner sex, if it is people that are working a lot, sometimes it's scheduling and not even working, but like traveling too. Um, sometimes it's scheduling sexual intercourse and making time for pleasure and making time for intimacy, including time for foreplay, uh, because that is important. I know some people have like a foreplay throughout the day and have that type of pleasure. So maybe it's like sexting during the day. And then at night you have like whatever sexual intercourse means to you. So I think that that can be an option. I think all also, it is doing whatever like task or whatever is on your mind. Once you get that done, then it's easier to focus on it. Um, I recently went to uh, Emily Nagoski's book tour for Come Together. So I went to Decatur this past weekend. And that's one thing she kind of mentioned is like, just get the chores done. So that way you can focus <laughs> on what you can focus on pleasure. Or if it's a tough conversation that you need to have, or if there's something else that's going on, um, making that a priority. If it's solo sex and masturbation, I think sometimes people just don't know what they like because they've only seen like partner sex within pornography. So they don't know necessarily what masturbation should look like, feel like, don't feel like they have safe spaces to talk about it. So it may just be fun to explore different toys or going to toy parties if that's something that you're interested in. Also going to different Sex stores, a lot of stores actually have like great representatives in there and would love to talk to you about, you know, this product and that product. But it's kind of just removing some of the shame that I think comes with masturbation and making time to explore what brings you pleasure. I think, you know, people don't prioritize it because society says that we shouldn't when it comes to masturbation. And that especially if you're Black, it could also be like sinful if you're Black and in religious cultures, right? Or just in religion in general, regardless of your race, it can be seen as something that's sinful. And so just trying to remove all of the sexual shame that exists around that. Yeah. So there's a lot of things here that could be interfering with our enjoyment. And you make a good point that sometimes we don't know what it is that brings us pleasure. And that can be true whether we're talking about things that happen in the bedroom or things that just happen in daily life. We've talked a lot on the show about how many people just don't know what works for their own body. And so, you know, sort of exploring that, figuring out what their sources of pleasure are is important. But I think that's true also in just everyday life. Like, what are your day-to-day sources of pleasure? You know, a lot of people, if you ask them what their hobbies are or interests are, they'll actually struggle to come up with an answer. They don't really know, like, who they are outside of work, you know? Mm-hmm. And that, that was a big mind shift for me that happened many years ago was because I used to really define myself just by my job, and that was all I could talk about. And then, well, one time somebody asked me a follow-up question, like, no, like, who are you really? Like, what do you do besides your job? And when I couldn't think of anything, I'm like, oh, shit. Like, <laughs> what am I doing with my life? Like, I've got to figure out Where how to have I? some fun here. <laughs> it was an identity crisis. And I was having it, like, in a bar at, like, 2 a.m. You know? <laughs> oh, that's funny. I think part of it is just trying things, too, both in the bedroom and outside of the bedroom. So within the bedroom, trying things and, you know, getting consent to try new things. But even during masturbation, trying out different positions and seeing what works for you or different techniques. I think also in general, just with hobbies, you just got to try it. Like I tried a pottery class over the summer. I thought I was going to love it. I hated it. I don't I don't want to <laughs> do it again, but I tried it. And so now I know that that's not my hobby, right? But, but I tried it. So I think it's just being willing willing to try. 
Yeah. You know, and something else I just thought of related to, you know, sort of changing our mindset around pleasure is that so many of us delay it. Like we'll say pleasure can wait and that can take a lot of different forms. You know, for a lot of people, it's often like, I'll wait until I retire and then I'll pick up, you know, this hobby or these things I've always wanted to do. You know, golf is like the stereotypical one that comes to mind for a lot of people, but it it could be anything. And, you know, unfortunately what I've seen is that almost everybody I know who has retired, as soon as that's happened, some major health issue or other major issue in their life has come up and they still don't have the opportunity to explore that pleasurable thing that they want to. And so I think the unfortunate reality is that if you get in that mindset of, pleasure can wait and I'm going to do this, whether it's tomorrow, next year, 10 years from now or whatever, you might miss out on the opportunities to do it. And that's why you have to embrace pleasure today, right? You don't know how long you're going to be able-bodied or capable of doing those things that you want to do. Absolutely. And I think sometimes as you age, things pop up also like caretaking, right? So I've seen the same example where people are like, I'm going to wait and I'm going to travel the world once I retire. And then you can't because now you're a caretaker for, you know, parents or other elders. So yeah, definitely. One of my favorite actresses from Abbott Elementary, Cheryl Lee Ralph says, life is for the living. And she talks about how she does something that like brings her joy all the time. And she loves (laughs) to have fun. And I'm like, yes, Cheryl, me too. Um, (laughs) But like, I just aspire to be like Cheryl, you know, where it's just like, no, I need to live now. We can't wait. Yeah. No, words to live by. Absolutely. Now, there's something interesting with pleasure where we enjoy it to a point and then our response to it can start to habituate. And sometimes the thing that was once pleasurable can start to become boring or even unpleasurable or painful or irritating. And that could include sex that goes on too long eating too much at a buffet, having one too many drinks on a Friday or Saturday night, just listening to the same song over and over again, right? You know, sometimes we overindulge and our pursuit of pleasure can leave us feeling not so great or that pleasure source is just no longer pleasurable anymore. And I get why, you know, because when we get in that sort of pleasure-seeking state of mind, our default is to kind of want to stay there and maintain that level of pleasure, but we often linger too long. So there's something to be said for like leaving and still wanting more. So I'm curious, do you have any tips on how we can enjoy pleasure in moderate doses so that we can leave feeling good and that the pleasurable things still remain pleasurable later on? Yeah, I think part of that is figuring out like what your pleasure threshold, I guess that is what I will call it. But, you know, like when you're doing these things that bring you pleasure, I'm kind of thinking about when you were saying like one too many drinks at the bar. Okay. Well, you knew three was enough. So, (laughs) you know, so giving yourself breaks or spaces to think about, you know, okay, now if I, if I feel joy and I feel happiness here, why am I going to be above and beyond, right? Is it yeah. going to bring me more happiness or is it not? And I think part of that is self-awareness. And I think sometimes that's hard and that's also trial and error. I think it's fine to switch things up and things that people once thought were pleasurable may not bring them pleasure anymore, but that's because we change as human beings over time and understanding that that's completely fine and you don't have to continue to pursue the same thing over and over if it doesn't bring you pleasure. 
I think stepping out of like pleasure seeking, I think that can be hard sometimes, especially if it's something that you're not used to incorporating in your daily life. And it's just like now, okay, on Friday, all day pleasure, (laughs) (laughs) right? Um, Versus just incorporating small amounts every day. So I think that could be the change is thinking about how can you incorporate those small things every day or big things, whatever you want to do, how you can incorporate something every day that brings you pleasure. So it won't feel like you're in such a pleasure deficit that when you have the opportunity to engage in it, you just want to overindulge. <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, part of what feeds into that is that many of us don't make that time for daily pleasure. And so then when we're in that state of sort of pleasure seeking, we just want to cram as much of it in as we can, which is why we might binge that show and stay up all night. And then we end up regretting it the next day because we're tired and we should have gone to bed six hours earlier or something, you know? So if you can have some intentionality and break up your pleasure so that you're experiencing some of it every day, then you can continue to experience and reap the benefits of that on a daily basis without feeling that need to just sort of cram it all in at once, which can lead to that sort of pleasure hangover, which is not that pleasant. I like that pleasure hangover. (laughs) (laughs) Now, many people also find that it's hard to take pleasure in the little things in life, but also at the same time to take pleasure in the big things. You know, there's there's a lot of pleasure paradoxes we could talk about. But, you know, for example, when it comes to the little things, we often don't appreciate that it might be a really beautiful day outside right now, or that our health is good, or that someone said something really nice to us that just made us smile or laugh. And when it comes to big things, you know, we often don't celebrate our big accomplishments at work or otherwise. You know, we often just turn our mind to the next thing that needs to be done. And, you know, just to share one personal example of this, you know, I remember when I was in graduate school working toward my PhD and my very first paper got accepted for publication. I got the email from the journal and I was just so excited. And I was at home and I just got dressed really quickly, hopped on the bus, went (laughs) to the psychology building, ran to my advisor's office, knocked on the door and, you know, shared the news and he gave me this big hug. And, you know, I was just beaming with excitement. And he said something to me that I always remembered, which is that, you know, one day <laughs> and he, he didn't, I'm not saying this to, to diss him and I'm not, yeah. you know, but I, I'm not saying he was trying to deflate me, but he said the experience for him was very different because it was like, oh, thank God that paper's done. Now we can move on to the next one. Right. And I couldn't, yeah, like I could not wrap my head around it at the time, but it's like at this point in my career, like, yeah, like, thank God that, mm-hmm. that paper is off my desk for good. And you know, it's unfortunate that we get to these places where we can't even celebrate big things anymore because we're just like eyes toward the next one. So mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Any tips on how we can stop to savor those things, like whether they're small or big that might be happening instead of just looking to the next thing? Yeah, I think part of it is thinking about like the environment and context that we're in. So I think when you're referring to like, you know, papers and the paper being published, I'm like, well, part of that's context too, right? Everyone around you is publishing. So then you feel like you have to publish a lot or just like, yeah, that comes with the environment. Of course you're going to publish. No, it's hard publishing a paper, right? So, So taking that moment to step back out of that space to be like, no, this is a a big deal, right? Um, People will hopefully read this 50 years from now. Um, Uh, (laughs) So I think that's part of it. I think 
the small things is, you know, I think there's been a big push around mindfulness with sexual mindfulness, but just general mindfulness lately. Um, and so I think that that is kind of pushing us to think more about how we're present in our day to day life. I think also gratitude. So like I have a gratitude journal and that's fun to just like document something that I'm grateful for every day. Or I used to ask people like, what brought you joy today? Right. You know, it's not like, how's your day going or how was work, but what brought you joy today? Because those are the things that like, I genuinely care about, like what made you happy? Or, you know, sometimes it's just little small things that we we have to take a moment to appreciate. I think also we've had some issues with connection and feeling connected to people um, since COVID. And so I think, you know, even those moments of connection now can be opportunities for pleasure. And so just thinking about, okay, how have I felt connected to someone? Or, you know, is there a misconnection that I want to rebuild or I want to reconnect? So, thinking about those things as well. Um, But I think, you know, we just have to make time and think about the context of what is influencing our thoughts. So is there something that makes us think this little thing isn't worthy of pleasure, right? Or this big thing is the only way I can achieve pleasure. So yeah, just being mindful of that. Yeah, what I'm taking away from what you just said is that, you know, the keys to really experiencing pleasure are that we need presence, you know, which can Mm -hmm. come from mindfulness, being in the moment, but we also need that connection to other people, or sometimes it doesn't involve other people. Maybe it's just like cuddling with our pet or something mm-hmm. like that. But having that sense of connection and presence simultaneously is really what it is that brings us pleasure, right? Yeah. And even connection to self, right? Like, yeah. like when's the last time you just sat with yourself and were comfortable with that to figure oh, out what you That's a scary needed. thought. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but you know, that's why in mindfulness training, the way they describe mindfulness is that it's non-judgmental present moment awareness because it's an overused saying, but we're our own harshest critics. You know, mm-hmm. we tend to criticize ourselves, our own feelings, our thoughts, our emotions. And it's learning to sit there and process your sensory input without judging the reactions that you might have to it or judging how you're feeling and learning how to stop doing that hard to do. But it once is. you learn how to do that, it can really open the door to experiencing more authentic pleasure sexually and otherwise. Absolutely. Now, something you talked about a little bit earlier was how scheduling sex can be a way of getting more pleasure out of it. And I think that's such an important thing to think about because when it comes to having fun in life and experiencing pleasure, like we plan our vacations, we plan our mm-hmm. trips to the amusement park, we plan to go out on Friday night with our friends or to go to a new restaurant or club or plan to, you know, cook some new meal. It could be anything, but we we plan things that are fun in our life all the time. Yet for some reason when it comes to sex, we're like, oh no, no, we can't possibly plan that. Like <laughs> Why do we have this weird hang up about planning sex? I think it's because you should just, society tells us, you should just naturally want it, right? Like you should just have this spontaneous desire all the time. And if you if you don't, if you have a more of a responsive desire, then it may be an issue. But we know that for a lot of women, they tend to have responsive sexual desires. And so I think, you know, scheduling sex is important because it shows that you want to make time for your partner or even for yourself or your partners in ways that you may not be able to do if you don't schedule it. 
also scheduling it to be fun. So we have a, it's not like an event in a, a, a meeting or, you know, a meeting of the minds about sex. And I think that's how people think about it. Um, but, you know, if you can figure out ways to make it fun and some people, I know some people, older couples that have sex like every Wednesday at four, like they have it down to the time, right? <laughs> um, so if that's what you want to do, fine. If it's just the day, that's cool too. But just thinking about, ways you can be intentional about having sex with your partner. And then if there's things that are preventing you from doing so beyond scheduling, then making sure you're, you know, addressing whatever those barriers may be. You know, I've never said this before, but I'm also going to add on to that, that maybe we should also make the case for planned masturbation. So Mm. I saw a study that came out, actually it was just this week, on how masturbating during the day actually helps to relieve work-related stress, right? And so it can be very therapeutic (laughs) in that way. And, you know, masturbation has a wide range of other benefits. You know, just in general, it can provide stress relief. It can provide like a little temporary mood boost. It can just clear your mind, provide like a little bit of a reset. Um, Yes, of course, it can also help you fall asleep and, you know, do all of these other sorts of things. But maybe it's also making time for self-pleasure could be an important thing to add to your schedule in terms of getting more pleasure out of life and also just dealing with the daily stress that we experience and endure. Yeah, I saw a uh, meme on Instagram that was like, how am I supposed to go back to work? I like working <laughs> from home because I can masturbate. And I was like, yep, right? <laughs> yep. Like, how, how am I going to put that into my schedule now? <laughs> yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm not going to get into advocating for how we implement this practice. I'm not going to say we need to have (laughs) mandatory (laughs) masturbatory break rooms. Like, I'm I'm not going to go there. Um, See how there's potential for that to go wrong. But yeah, Yeah, that that has been one of the benefits a lot of people have reported about working from home is that Mm -hmm. they have more time, more opportunities for self-pleasure. Just make sure you're nowhere near your webcam when it happens. Absolutely. Please. (laughs) Please, yes. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for this amazing conversation, Shamika. It was truly a pleasure to have you here. Can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about you and your work? Yes, you can visit my website, which is drshamika.com. I'm also on Instagram and Facebook as Dr. Shamika. Well, thanks again for being here. And I will be sure to include links to all of that in the show notes. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. To keep up with new episodes of this podcast, visit my website, Sex and Psychology, at sexandpsychology.com, or subscribe on your favorite platform, where I hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show. You can also follow me on the socials for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter and TikTok at Justin Miller and Instagram at Justin J. Miller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want. And if you have a question you'd like me to answer on a future episode of this show, you can leave me a podcast voicemail at speakpipe.com slash sex and psychology. Thanks again for listening. Until next time. <laughs>